coming soon from Arkville Press. This is the story of the last city. It has outlived the world that it was born into, and it has outlived all its siblings. This is the story of the last city, a ruin built on ruins where death is a luxury few can afford. This is the story of the last city, of those who wander within and those who are crushed by its weight. This is the story of the last city, and this is how it died. The Tower Through the Trees by Sean Dillon, coming March 29th. podcast with two idiots that host i'm one of said idiots uh jesse and with me today is the other said idiot matthew say hi matthew hello lesser uh, of two idiots <laughs> present and accounted for see matthew just said he's smarter than me and i'm very, very no, i did not <laughs> you said <laughs> less you said lesser of two idiots i didn't come here for a math lesson professor <laughs> <laughs> well, what's greater than that, that that's the, like one of the earlier we'll get to the movie in a second one of the earlier math concepts that always messed with me for the longest time is the greater and lesser than symbols oh yeah and everybody's like yeah. well just uh, just think about an alligator and i'm like nope that's not that that's not how that works for me yeah um speaking of math there's a lot of math problems in this movie and that math problem movie is the batman where the Batman yes. goes up against the villain, the calculator in this movie. Uh, <laughs> the villain is algebra. Oh, man. If they ever put the calculator in a movie, that would be very interesting. But uh, Matthew, do you know who the villain, the calculator is? Again, another tangent before we actually get into this. Well, so I, I, I do not. Um, his, his whole shtick is like he plans all the crime for like a set group of villains. And like he calculates like their plans and stuff. It's not actual math. Um, okay yeah uh but yeah we're talking about the batman that just came out in uh th- this year year of our lord 2022 mm-hmm. came out in march um just yes. started streaming on hbo yes Max. um director matt reeves writer yes. matt reeves and peter craig and it stars the wonderful robert pattinson zoe kravitz jeffrey wright colin farrell paul dano john Turturro, andy circus peter skarsgård barry cohen and anybody else i should mention did you say colin farrell yes okay that's the only one that i that's the only one i didn't hear so it's pretty stacked Uh, cast it's yeah it's a it's a pretty it's very stacked movie that Um, clocks into two hours and 56 minutes we're we're just hovering around that three hour mark really hovering there was at some point they screened an over four hour version of this movie and it did well the screener of it but there was no way they were releasing that long of a Oh no! Not they'd have to do. They'd have to. They'd have to release it with an intermission at that point. Oh, man. And, Could you imagine having a suite in an intermission in a Batman movie? That'd be cool, but also like I think I don't know how the modern movie going public would respond to an intermission. Uh, I don't think they would respond well. I mean, I could see some people like on Letterbox going, "Yeah, there's just this." There's just this title card that says intermission and they just played music for a while. I didn't really get it. Oh, that's so you could get up and stretch your legs and go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Matt, Matthew, people who follow me have probably already heard my thoughts on this movie at some point. Yes. Or so let's hear your thoughts first. What did, what did you think of the Batman? Okay, so it is April 21st, 2022. I watched this. I I started this, or no, I finished this movie roughly 12 hours ago. Okay. Um, And uh, and for context, it is also Iggy Pop's birthday. I don't know why that's context, but I was just thinking about it. Um, I love this movie, actually. Uh, I think Robert Pattinson might be one of the better Batmans to ever really uh-huh. embrace the, uh, Also, I liked that this was this was a detective movie that just happened to have a Batman. That just yeah, happened to have a Catwoman. This is not like this is like this is a very different vibe to the entire Nolan trilogy, to the uh, the Burton Batman, uh, the Schumacher 
Batman's very different vibe than the well, it, it is it is it is it is just I I didn't see Batman versus Superman so I can't really stack Affleck in this role uh that was the one he was in correct yes so I don't I I mean I'd always heard that you know you'd be shocked at how good Ben Affleck is at doing he's Batman. pretty good yeah I've heard I've heard he's really good um but this this movie is i think this i don't like i don't like the nolan trilogy near as much as i like this movie so that's where i will that's where i will sort of end my little how does this stack up against the rest of them because i haven't had near enough time to really think about it and i'd probably have to watch them all again yeah i i watched a lot of, I, I watched them all again up to this so mm-hmm. i gotta add a nice um you were ready. Right. You were ready. Yeah, I was you prepped. I did a Spider-Man with this because uh, I watched all yeah. the Spider-Man movies up to the new one. But um, for you, like the length of it, because that's one of the major, more uh, major complaints is like it's just too long in some ways. That the third act kind of just drags because like you think you wrapped it up and then they like, oh, here's this extra thing. How 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 about you feeling about the length? So are we a sucker for punishment and we just like long movies? I. <laughs> So I remember when I was starting to really uh, look at films that I'd never seen for for reasons of just understanding, you know, what people just like looking at great films of the past and just seeing what it is and what holds up and is it still really great? And there the it, sometimes the long films were just long. Yeah. Um, but there were other films that were breached the three hour mark, but never dragged. Mm-hmm. I don't, this film did not drag for me at all. I, I actually think it kind of got going a little too fast. Uh, if, if I were going to say anything about it, and I think this is, this is probably more because I am not in, I'm not in the comic world like you, Jesse. Uh-huh. or or like most most people who go to see the superhero movies um i so like i was missing you know points of reference or like it was c- kind of felt like i should already know a lot of folks but the for someone who is like very much an outsider looking in this was this was it's started throwing a lot at at me and I, this also could have been because it was seven in the morning when i started it yeah fair uh, um but i i didn't i did not have a bad time i did not even come close to having a bad time um what you were saying about the third act that didn't bother me i think because i was i don't know how i saw it coming but i just knew something else was happening yeah i think it's i think there's a sense in superhero movies now where and this is funny because you, if you go back to the original, um, the original Burton movies, the very first one, it doesn't really have this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it kind of does if you talk about like the parade and the balloons, but all superhero movies have this third act disaster, right? And like Batman gets to that third act and it doesn't have a disaster, right? You don't you get the, you get the disaster as a as a denouement almost yeah which is which is a, which is a choice and I think it's the, I, I wouldn't say this about a lot but I think it's, I think it's the right one here yeah I, I, yeah I don't think the, I think the I think the disaster that this movie chooses fits the groundedness of what they're going for mm-hmm. um, but but I think that's how we like kind of knew it was coming as like the, like. Nothing's hit the fan yet. Is really what it yeah. is, and then uh, we're built for superhero movies for things that, that they have to hit the fan at some point. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, it, ha- it has to tee up a sequel. Yeah, and, and I don't know how much this one tees up a sequel, other than like spoilers, by the way, for the Batman. Uh, yeah. Other than like the flooding of Gotham, but um, I think that's like probably my like the like the worst part of Batman Returns is that its third act disaster. Mm-hmm. doesn't have any weight to it and that's no. like all of the penguins with rockets strapped to their back it's yeah like, it's, it's there's it's no like there's nothing building up to that yeah it's chaos yeah but penguins stealing all the firstborn sons of gotham and wanting to drown them yeah that's terrifying sure yeah um so 
yeah, like uh, for, well, first off, before we dive more into like plot and stuff, uh, I was right. I know where the halfway point of this movie was just by watching it so many times. <laughs> where where is the halfway point? But, so it's right after after the penguin interrogation scene um after the car chase like that's like the halfway point okay. and every right. time i was in the theaters like after like the first or second time i'm like okay let's figure out where the halfway point of this movie is because i like I, there's no way i could figure that out from just yeah. um watching it in theaters and i always assumed like that felt like the perfect halfway point i think at one point i'm like oh wait a minute i should look and see if we're at the halfway point yet where i was like three quarters of the way through i'm like well I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna think Jesse's right on this one because I was not thinking. I, I was not thinking about much else than everything happening on screen because uh, it is. It was. It was entertaining as hell throughout. Um, I think so. You've been talking about this film for what, like five episodes of the podcast since it point? came out. So yeah. So. Um, what are do you want to just kind of unload a little bit uh it's weird because like i i I feel like i have but like not people listening to this probably haven't heard that fully um so it's it's weird i don't have anything to really unload about other than okay uh i mean i i think i'm trying to figure out like the best way to gush about this um this is the batman movie that i think i've been waiting for since uh, I, I was conscious of Batman movies, right? Like um, going into The Dark Knight because I didn't see Batman Begins in theaters. I didn't even know Batman Begins existed until my parents brought home like the DVD of it. Um, that's how on that that is an era of the internet that I was not online twenty four seven, so I just <laughs> didn't know these things. Oh, that's, the good old days! <laughs> like when me walking into the theater and seeing an Iron Man poster and go, "They're making an Iron Man movie." Yeah. Um. So, but going into it, at the end of the Batman Begins, they tease the Joker, and then the Dark the Dark Knight press happens in like 2008, where I'm more online. I have I have Facebook at that time. I have all this stuff going on, so I'm really into the marketing for that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. He's going to hunt down the Joker. It's going to be a mystery. There's going to be things, and it became a a, a socio political thing more than anything. It's like the idea that there's no such thing as a good community in a way (laughs) um is what that movie kind of ends up being about so i didn't get the mystery i wanted and then i liked i the further i get away from it the harder it is for me to um like batman versus superman as much as i did uh but i still really appreciate the visual style of that movie for the most part and i appreciate what ben affleck does but he's such a such a a, a boring uh batman because he's so like disconnected from being batman by the point we get to him in that franchise okay like he's more of a creature than anything he the, like he brands people and like think and he the really uh, the jokers already killed one of the robins and he, he and the jokers jared leto <laughs> and like things are just kind of frustrating so having a batman being back to being this young but also still being somewhat experienced and a batman that isn't confident in himself because like uh in the bale movies he's pretty confident from the jump like there's no panic that he's messing up there's the scene in batman begins where he gets set on fire and that's a panic Mm -hmm. but other than that there's not a huge panic until that third movie where he gets his back broken um yeah so, so yeah, I, th- I like, I think one of my favorite scenes, and I keep on like changing what my absolute favorite scene in this movie is because there's so many really beautiful scenes. Uh, we mm-hmm. should say that the cinematographer on this is uh, gosh, Craig Frazier. Yeah, Craig Frazier, who just won the Oscar for Dune, um, and he probably, I think he's he might win the Oscar for this this next year. I mean, um, I'll be honest with you, for I I so I don't know. Are you on TikTok a lot? Yes. Okay, so I've been seeing a lot of I've been seeing there's the there are these two dudes talking on a podcast talking about how, how they don't understand how like you know Marvel movies don't win Oscars or whatever. You know, I'm not going to sit here and try and paint the Academy as like this honorable institution because I really don't think it is. Um, but if you were if if I were to listen to them talk about this movie in an Oscar conversation, I would totally be on board. 
Uh, yeah, and this it, is it, this it, is probably the first one of those since well, it's probably the only other one of those other than Black Panther that I think really deserves it. Yeah, it's it's one of those interesting things that like uh, do you ever do you ever watch the corridor digital guys? They're on like YouTube and they talk about special effects and all this, and they get like other special effects people to come in and talk about it. Um, uh, I've heard of them. I've not watched them. There are a few times where they talk about Marvel movies, and there's one point where they talk about like they talk about Shang Chi. This one's a little bit further away, so I can talk about spoilers for it a bit. Okay. Um, where the third act and this big final fight scene, they filmed in like a bright set a bright outdoor set and the special effects guys yeah we just had to redo all of that because it didn't work for the way we do our special effects and versus like the batman right where everything was painstakingly done and as far as i know they weren't they weren't having issues like oh this isn't good redo it in post like right the the marvel movies have so much of redo in post that Mm -hmm. you can kind of feel it at times where this movie is very much like no let's take the time to figure out how to do it they from my understanding they started doing color palettes for this movie when greg frazier and one of the colorists were working on vice the, oh wow uh, the the uh dick cheney movie so mm-hmm. like they've been working on this for a long time like uh matt rave started working on it at the end of doing right uh war for the planet of the apes whatever the last one was um okay and so like yeah they've been working on like the technique of this for a long time there's some really great videos about it um so i think i think the reason this movie looks so good and feels so good in a lot of ways is it was all on purpose like they took the time to make sure it was on purpose um there and there's moments too where like the car chase scene or the hallway scene where he's being shot up right Mm -hmm. those two scenes were done as practical as they could they did the hallway scene in three shots all practical with robert pattinson in the suit now the hall which in the, the darkness while one, they were fighting just by where and, all you were the only thing that lights up Robert up in, or the muzzle the gunfire yeah yeah okay yeah cool. and right, so yeah. that was then all practical and a lot of the car chase scene was like practical there was like very, like the explosion was all practical like all of that stuff it's a, that's the, awesome it's that same feeling have you seen tenant uh no i have not seen Tenet. there's a big old stunt it's no one blowing something huge up in tenant where mm-hmm. it feels very good because it's done. He did it. <laughs> he blew something that because he, he actually blew something up. Okay. Yeah. Or the, there's certain scenes where like uh, uh, a tower will blow up and then the bottom will blow up and they like the reverse shot it and stuff. And it's because he took he took two separate models exactly the same and blew them up and then mashed that film. Like he did things on purpose and mm-hmm. there wasn't like redos in post. And I think that matters a lot. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I was talking about when it came to how this movie looks oh about one of my favorite scenes about like the batman being still fresh to this is when he's being chased in gcpd and he gets to the top of the building and he's like wait a second he's like wait where do i go i can't go up anymore yeah he like like it's a it's a big old like worried gasp and then he's like i just gotta go and he does it and he completely whiffs it mm-hmm. um and it's like that's the uneasiness that i needed in my batman i think yeah well, I think that that's sort of the humanity that comes. I mean, I know we all know Batman is is just a, a billionaire. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> like he, he's just a billionaire dude. He's not. He, he's not really. He's he's not Peter Parker who was bitten by a radioactive spider. He's not Superman who comes from another planet. Yeah. Um, but I think what makes apart from I think one for me one of the things that makes Peter Parker relatable comes across here is they, they feel human they feel like they are they are kind of flying by the seat of their pants like they have inklings of ideas uh on the fly and they don't always know they're going to land and there mm-hmm. there's something there's something relatable about that and uh but the, but then you also see the scenes that you you see where robert pattinson can show off the the I guess the intelligence of Bruce Wayne where they're doing the detective work where he and Alfred are like saying, okay, let's figure out this cipher and, you know, moving things around or whatever. Uh, and, you know, helping Selena. Um, I love that too. I loved, I love that Robert Pattinson was not just sure-footed. Yeah. And there's a, there's a couple of crit- general criticisms of this movie that I feel like, and I, and I said this in the, in the comic book podcast that I do, when we talk about mm-hmm. it, but I think it, 
I think those criticisms can be shifted if you look at it as this is the second year this man has been doing this. <laughs> like yeah. purposefully, and Matt Reeves has pointed it out, in the first scene where Selena walks out of the Iceberg Lounge and they do a, a wide shot, I could send you the image actually. Um, let me see if I can find it. But uh, they do a wide shot. You can see Paul Dano's Riddler um, up there in the corner taking pictures outside of the Iceberg Lounge and Bruce just doesn't even see it because he is so hyper-focused in his, in his, in what his drive is. Like, I need to follow this girl that he, he doesn't, he doesn't even care where the pictures are being taken. Mm -hmm. Um, I just sent you the image on Discord so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. But, um, and the same thing with the whole Maroney and Falcone, like who killed his father and it's flip-flop between like believing Falcone to believing Alfred um, I was talking to a friend about this after leaving a movie and he goes, people are really mad about that. I'm like, yeah, kind of. They think he flip he flip-flop between like his feelings too fast. And he goes, Has anybody ever been told really devastating news and didn't know what to believe? <laughs> like, has anybody ever gone through that? Because you flip you you flip-flop real hard because you're just trying to piece together facts. And even yeah. at the end, Alfred himself says, I don't know who did it. If I could tell you, I would, but I just don't I don't believe anything Falcone has to say either. That is my favorite goddamn thing in this one. Everyone's like, well, we have we know all of this happened, but none of this proves it. Yeah. Like none, none of this is surefire. I mean, even even Turturro's character when he when he's confronted. And I loved that they did it that way. And also, I'm looking at this image. How does someone see that? <laughs> I mean, I noticed it like on the third viewing. I'm like, oh, wait, that's the river. But that's because you're hyper focused <laughs> after that point. You're like looking for things. Right. And, yeah. and that's a very purposeful shot, too. Like, that's oh, no, not, 100%. Like, he's I not see like, it. he's not like paneling down to Selena from that shot. That shot just cuts to Selena after that. Uh, so uh, it's very interesting. But another thing, too, is like, there's a few people who are like, well, Thomas Wayne should have known what Falcone would have done. Yeah, probably. Like he probably didn't know that that might happen with Falcone, but he was just he was panicky. He was a human in panic. Yeah, and I think that's the thing too is like you need to let Thomas and Martha Wayne not be perfect because if Bruce is doing this for the perfect parents, he's never doing it for the right reason. Amen, and I, Jesse. And, and I think that's, I think that's a good passage that the comics had to deal with at some point in the Morrison run. Uh, eventually Bruce had to like, was my dad actually a bad guy? Yeah. I'm in the Telltale games do with this. I'm playing through those right now and the first game deals with that hardcore and Bruce is like, it doesn't matter what my dad was. I need to do this because I think it's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's important. I And gosh, the, the, um, Robert Pattinson trying not to cry because he's Batman, uh, talking to Alfred about like the one fear I thought I would ever, I can't get over um, is losing someone I care about. <laughs> yeah it's real good it's real good stuff it's it's real good um i will say this uh and this is probably i didn't really give this a whole lot of thought so i'm not really going to i i'm not really going to defend my thought process here because yeah. I, I i didn't get that get get that deep here when um and, and this is this is going to be kind of a point of spoilers so if anybody's worried about it we already spoiled uh, much right yeah we watched the movie we we're going to talk about it uh when when they send when when alfred gets blown up mm-hmm. uh this was a point like i think this is the point where reba had gotten home from wherever she was this morning and she's like oh you're watching batman i'm like yeah and 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 she's like oh who's that i go that's alfred She's like, isn't that Andy Circus? Like, yep, it's Andy Circus. And then he gets blown up. He's like, wow, they just killed Alfred. I'm like, yeah, they just killed Alfred. But then he shows up fine in the in the hospital. I'm like, mm. yeah, this movie has a little, and I think this is the issue with it being PG-13, a very hard PG-13, but still a PG-13 sure. movie, which I think is interesting because PG-13 has weird limits of the violence it can show. Oh yeah. Um, where Bruce Bruce is dinged up after his big old mess up on the roof, but like unless you're really paying attention to him when he takes off his shirt, um, you don't notice. Like he has right. bruises and like scrapes from that, but like you're not really mm-hmm. you don't really notice it. Alfred should be a little more burned up from that explosion because it was so close. Bruce yeah. should be a little more burned up from the explosion that happens in the church because he was real close. Even if even though he did put up his gauntlets, like it's still pretty close. 
Yeah. Um, Penguin should be a little more messed up from that car crash. And uh, I people thought that Mer- uh, that Falcone got shot in the face because they didn't. You couldn't see the bullet hole in his chest. And you could see the blood stain on his chest, but it was so like it, it was so kind of not there that people were like, "Did he get shot in the face?" Also, that scene was still really dark anyway. Yeah, so like th- th- this movie did have issues, I think, displaying its violence. And mm-hmm. if I can give anything to The Dark Knight versus this, which is weird because I don't like comparing these two because they're that's the second movie in a trilogy, and this is the first movie in a, in a new franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dark Knight uh, directed its violence off screen much better. Like oh, the, pen- 100%. the pencil trick, the breaking of the pool cues, the mm-hmm. people being sh- shot, like all the violence was all done off screen for the most part. And but you felt yeah. it still with the tension and the sound design stuff. Mm-hmm. But doesn't mean that uh Batman punching people does not feel real good in this movie. Oh no, Batman punching people hits when he throws that bat at the cop. <laughs> yeah, that's for good. Okay. Well, I mean, all of the all of the blunt object impact kind of has its own. I don't want to say, I mean, I don't know enough about sound uh, to really, but it has like its own frequency kind of, because you know, when a, it, it, it's almost like they're, they're all done at, a, at like the same range of, of, I don't know anything about sound. So I'm just going to sound like a moron, but it, all, all you, mm. I don't want to say this. So I'll, I'll get it out. Anytime a blunt object hits anything, mm-hmm. you know a blunt object has hit something. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not so much like. It's not so much like well, a bat hitting you know cement doesn't sound like a car crash, but it seems like they they put special significance on it, and I could not really decipher I'll, it. I'll link the two Dolby. Uh... Dolby Atmos podcast that um, Matt Reeves and a lot of the other creators on this did. Uh, one was about the sound design and one was about the quality, the pictures, the picture okay. quality. Uh, I'll link those in the podcast um, show notes, just because I think they're really, if you're, if you're really curious about the designs of this movie, mm-hmm. those are probably the two most insightful, like I think together they're like three, maybe three and a half hour podcast to put together. Um, sure but they're very very insightful like uh for the picture of this like matt reeves talked about with the uh, uh not the director of photography but the colorist he's like we we were like here here's some lenses you can use and we're like what about these ones and like those, those ones are broken he's like but can we use them <laughs> and so like i don't you you know like the bridge not the bridge the um the rafter scene at the end where he's like kind yeah. of falling and like you could the focus is weird in that scene mm-hmm. that's like the broken lenses that they use they use broken lenses that have really broken focuses and like they were very really really i guess touchy to use but they gave such character that marie is like i want to use these though and yeah, so there's they, like there's some really interesting and weird focuses in this movie i didn't well i didn't i noticed that on the watch i did not i would have never known that it was something like that yeah you neither uh, neither but i didn't tell you which that, that that makes me happy like yeah. that like yeah t- don't be afraid to try broken and shit. like the, mean, the the car I feel chase like that's, like, i feel like that's like an eggers move almost yeah no really it is and like the car chase scene they use mounted cameras like who did who uses mounted cameras like that anymore like on the cars yeah. that's how you got those really cool car angles mm-hmm. um they put plastic on the cameras and wiped them in oil so you got really weird like like grease stain looking shots like yeah, it's really yeah, cool a lot of odd soft focus it was, yeah it was, it's it's such a well-made film um and it's cool they do some pass-throughs on film i'm getting a little film shirt from amc because they did a pass-through on film and stuff like mm-hmm. that's, that's cool technical side of this like um all of the shots in the in the tower in the in the building that wasn't finished with the the, um, the spotlight is that's all fake that like that looks like a real city, but they just use those uh, uh those LED projector screens that they use for the Mandalorian that they had to build themselves because it's not the Disney has those Mandalorian ones that are really high tech, right. so they had to build brand new ones for Warner Brothers, and like watching them build it, it's like man, this took a lot of work. But like they even said in like the behind the scenes, like yeah, this might take a lot of work and a little more extra money, but like once it's done, everybody can use this. Yeah, and so like um when when Batman's on the on the roof of the the uh, auditorium at the end, right? Mm-hmm. And, he's, and he's saving people. That's another one of those sets where the outside, that's all those LED screens. 
but it looks real because it's not a it looks, screen. It looks really weird. <laughs> they can use all the natural lighting from the screen. Um, so I'll I'll ask this just because you know more about Batman than I do. Yeah, sure. Um, did it seem like they were really trying to show you that he didn't kill anybody this time? Uh, no, but I think they were really trying to show that he was really pushing it. Yeah. I think that was more than anything. They were showing that, like, he's, like, he's borderline crossing the line because the vengeance is, like, almost consumed him at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also, like, there is a dirtiness to this Batman that we haven't gotten since, like, Batman Begins. Yeah, he's scrappy. And, like, Gotham's so grimy in this. Like, it's been mm-hmm. a minute since you've had a really grimy uh, Gotham. And it's like, oof. Yeah. Um, let's talk about let's talk about some of the characters too, because like we must be talking about the technical side and a little bit about Batman, but let's talk about uh the side characters a bit. What do you think about uh the Riddler? Let's go with the Riddler first. Okay, so uh as I was saying before we started recording, I think this is only the second Paul Dano movie I've seen. And for some reason, all I could think of when you see him unmasked in that uh very edward hopper-esque coffee shop mm-hmm. is wow this looks like a young james or not young james spader um andrew mccarthy from the 80s okay if yeah. you've ever seen if you've ever seen weekend at bernie's like shorten up andrew mccarthy's hair and it's basically paul dano uh but paul dano was probably probably has a bit more range than mccarthy if i'm being honest yeah, probably um, maybe a little bit Maybe a little bit. I mean, Little Miss Sunshine and and the Riddler. Okay, uh, which as you have said, I should watch more Paul Dano films. So yeah, I think Swiss um, Army Man and um, Love and Mercy, which he got casted from Love and Mercy, basically. Like Matt Reeves saw him as uh, Brian Wilson. He's like, he, I, I want to work with this guy. Wait, Love Paul and... Paul Dano plays uh, uh Brian Wilson in the Love and Mercy biopic. Is that is that the is that the one with Cusack in it yep. too? Yeah, Cusack plays older. Oh, uh, then I've seen that. I did not realize that was Paul Dano. Okay. Yeah, he's very good in that. Um, mm-hmm. I, can, I can see that. Uh, so I like him as this. He really pulls off the uh, I'm about to get real unhinged. Um, and he also has the right kind of I, I, I say the right kind like, I, like I'm an authority on it. Uh, he has a very good um, uh, manic satisfaction when all of the bombs start going off at the mm-hmm. end. Uh, but also the scenes where he's in the mask, very menacing. You know, um, I forgot to ask this before we started. We might have to pause recording depending on your answer. Did you watch the deleted scene that came out with uh, Batman and the Joker? No, I did not. Uh, I don't know. Should we pause recording so I can make you watch that for a minute so we can talk about that? uh sure how long is it it's like five minutes let me pause the recording yeah so i made matthew watch the deleted scene because i thought it was important Mm -hmm. for our discussion about the riddler um uh yeah so i i I think the riddler in this case is like they talk about it already in like all the documentaries and interviews that it's very based off the zodiac killer um but when it comes when you watch that joker deleted scene you get more context for who the joker is in this universe in that way it's Mm -hmm. a very much a buffalo bill versus Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. yeah. And, and in a sense of like, this is another another crazy person, but not the same level of crazy or, or less less sinister crazy than Batman's come against. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a more maybe methodical crazy, but yeah. not as sinister, which is interesting. So it ran to me as uh, John Doe in Seven. Yeah, that too. I think I think there's a very heavy Seven influence at times. I think yeah. Seven and Zodiac are probably the two more bigger noir influences on this but i also think chinatown has a huge influence on it nor wise um, oh sure and, and and i mean like any humphrey bogart movie too um yeah uh so yeah i, I just wanted to talk about just bring that because i don't think we're gonna talk about the joker that much but i think it's a nice comparison when you have more contacts with the joker that you realize oh, okay so where there's not just joker light he really is a different personality in this yeah He's not Joker light, nor is he that weird cartoon that Jim Carrey was. Yeah. Uh, he's very much in that weird middle ground where he's sinister, but a little goofy. Like he does those live streams and he goes, Hey guys, how's it going? Like he's, yeah. He's, and the, but then you, you, he, the reveal of Paul, and he just looks like 
man, this guy just screams. I crawled my way to middle management yeah. and really tried to get higher, but couldn't. Like it's there's a there's a vibe about the Riddler here. Yeah. That I mean, is, and that the only thing he says is it's some it's it's a, it's a nobody who wants to be somebody. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so I think Paul, Paul Dano is really good. I really love the line delivery when when Bruce finally rejects him. Um, like that, those line deliveries are great. Um, and the tension where he thinks that Riddler knows who he is, and then once he finally has that relief that he doesn't, like you can see his face te- detense. Yeah. He finally comes out of the shadows. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I really like that. Um, I want to talk about Commissioner Gordon too. Um. Mm-hmm. Do you want to like touch upon the highlights of the characters and, and then probably go to final thoughts because we could go on forever about this movie. Um, yeah. But, uh, Gordon, I think Gordon is something I can, I want to really want to highlight when it comes to the noir aspect of this movie. Um, people say this movie's not funny or it's, or it's inappropriately funny, um, which is a really interesting dichotomy where I think it's like, it, it straddles the sense of noir humor mm-hmm. really well. But also I realized there's no such thing as modern noir humor for a lot of people. <laughs> no, there's yeah. Um, it, it's like uh, in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, where uh, when when Harrison Ford meets Ryan Gosling and he punches him in the face, and then they have their exchange afterwards. Like that's very noir humor in a way. Yeah, exactly. Um, something that in the moment seems like it should be serious, but it, it is is purposely a bit silly. Um, mm-hmm. I think thumb drive is that. Um, I think yeah, the thumb drive sequence is yeah, really good. I think that's I, supposed to be funny. I think Batman getting his face wiped across the, the street after he, he messes up that glide. I think mm-hmm. that's supposed to be slapsticky funny, but in a way sure. that you're like, ah, oh, that must have hurt. Like in that yeah. way. Um, again, uh, where Gordon and him are talking in the police precinct, and he's like, you're gonna have to hit me, but and like. Batman gets a little smile on his face, and then you get the punchline even more after the punch, where he mm-hmm. says, "You could have hold that back," and uh, and he's, he's like, like, "I, I did." did. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's there's a lot of that, and then there were there being kind of goofy in his live streams. Like, those are all like very noir humors because they're pulling out, they're they're sucking out the seriousness, but then pushing it right back in at the end. Because yeah. um, yeah, the Riddler starts off that live stream at the end with, uh, "Hey, you, got, hey guys, what's up? Thanks for the tips," and then ends with about their suffering <laughs> like yes we build thanks for the help of the detonators we will bring everything down yeah uh so it's, i think that's a very interesting dichotomy when it comes to noir and humor that it maybe is just missed because we don't have a lot of noir anymore yeah uh well i, th- I think the, the thing is at least with a lot of noir a lot of modern noir tends to lean super hard on old noir yeah and it it kind of it it's kind of like um it's kind of like a hip-hop album that wants you to know it samples yeah where it's like you you'll know if you know who this is originally i mean it's kind of like the way puff daddy and mace were like famous in the late 90s because all they did was sample huge freaking hits for to make <gasps> huge hits because everyone you know recognize the samples um but here it's kind of there's you see the like as you've pointed out and I've, I've kind of tried to keep up with you we see the the touchstones or the touchstones for this mm-hmm. film in terms of like its villains its inspirations um you'll know the comic stuff more than i will but also it, it the way that it looks the way that it the way that it plays out and the way that everything about this feels it feels like it's trying to operate on its own level by itself rather than in a lexicon of what film noir is and or should be yeah and i think uh as you talked about like this is a uh a mystery noir movie with batman in it Mm -hmm. when you when you play with catwoman penguin and commissioner gordon all three of those are doing the comic book stuff really well, but more than anything, they're doing the noir stuff really well. Catwoman's playing the perfect femme fatale. Commissioner yep. Gordon's playing the perfect hard-boiled detective. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Penguin's playing the perfect gangster. And then you have Batman and the Riddler who aren't. like they're, they're, They do like some noir stuff, but those two are really playing the comic book side and it meshes really well because Batman started off as this stupid noir comic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ironic <laughs> yeah so it, it's one of those things where like 
it's, it's detective really comics am i right <laughs> um so so yeah commissioner Wright, i think like i love i love the hard-boiledness and like how jeffrey wright really just chewed it up in some scenes with that yeah. like when they're uh interrogating the penguin <laughs> and he's like open your eyes he's shouting at him it's like oof, that's such a Ooh, chills. Well, and then for being a gangster like penguins, they're going, "Don't show me that! I don't yeah. want to see that." But, but then Just they like, bring up the, the Spanish, and he's like, "What are you bunch of idiots?" <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. El Rata, do you not know the difference between L and La? <laughs> yeah, it's very. And then like, and then Selena too, like the. And this again, it's it's Batman the comic playing into the noir because that that's where its origin lies. And mm-hmm. overall, is where he goes. Like he's trying to make sure she doesn't kill anybody because he doesn't want her to cross the line. Because if his thing, uh, ah, yeah. great, a great joke that I don't think people talk about more is like when they go to the the manor. He goes, "No guns." <laughs> and commercial guns like that's your thing. <laughs> like yeah. it's a very nice little joke. But they bring mm-hmm. it up again later on. And when he she's about to kill Falcone, he goes, uh, "Don't like you don't have to pay for him. Like you've suffered enough. Like you don't have to suffer for him anymore." Yeah. And like. Again, it's a super noir kind of tone and line delivery, but it's also comic books. Yes. It's very much the core of what Bruce and Selena's like relationship in the comics are. Is he's like, I'm not trying to change you, but I'm trying to show you that you don't have to fall all the way down. So yeah, I mean. So I and I just want to say I think Zoe Kravitz was phenomenal. Yeah, fantastic. And in, in this movie, like start to finish, she she nailed every scene she was in also as dumb as this is gonna sound revisit the catwoman idea with zoe kravitz yeah i think cat i I think catwoman um adventures in bloodhaven would be a super cool movie that they could do um you could introduce villains in bloodhaven that like there's cool villains in bloodhaven you could have her go up against Mm -hmm. um yeah i i 100 agree with that and like I'm so excited that we're getting a penguin show that could be a mix of penguin before he became all scarred up in the mob versus penguin getting power. Now that the flood, we don't know what that's going to look like. We just know the synopsis is penguin rising to power. Right. So that's going to be cool. Uh, Colin Farrell. I've seen that movie 12 times. I cannot see Colin Farrell in that movie. I didn't either. I'm like, that's fucking Colin Farrell. It's wild. Um, I'm excited that we're going to get an Arkham TV show that's supposed to be more horror because these guys are scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you can really introduce a lot of cool side characters with both of those things. Because um, I, I, And I think if they get to do this, if Warner Brothers doesn't screw this up, which they've been known to do, um, and they let Matt Reeves just go for it, this movie made money. Like it made money. It's $750 million box office off the $200 million budget. It made enough. Yeah. Um, originally like 120, but with COVID it blew up. Um, right. Let Reeves just make a world, because I think that's what yeah. this needs more than anything. It needs a living, breathing world that you get with miniseries and TV shows. And I think he has the he. he I mean, he's not going to be writing all of it and directing all of sure. it, like James Gunn. But like, I think he will have the guiding light to at least make Gotham a really cool world like this. Mm-hmm. So let's wrap, let's go with final thoughts and talk about what we've watched. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll be quick. Uh, this Matthew, dope. Matthew, if we if we had the time for me and you to sit down together and watch <laughs> this movie together, we could do a commentary that would last the whole movie. <laughs> I would do it. I would do that. <laughs> um, and I and, and I do realize that that would mostly be. Uh, two hours and 56 minutes of me saying, hi, this is Matthew. I'm, I'm a co-host with Jesse. And then Jesse talks. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, so. I mean, I never think that I have a lot to say about this movie because I feel like I got it out the last time and the people let me talk. So, well, I mean, yeah. And like when, when, uh, when, like I, when we were talking about doing this, I wanted to do it for two reasons. One, I wanted to listen to the spoiler cast, which I'm going to do tomorrow. And two, I want to hear you go hard on a movie and I don't think you've done that throughout the run of this show yet. And I'm really glad we got to, I got to get, you know, full on Jesse passion. The, the, the two most passionate 
films you hear me talk about so far on this are Batman Returns and the Batman. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I, don't worry that I'm going to have my guns drawn for the next one too. Dude. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Um, um, so the, I, I really like this movie. I like that it's it's much to, to to me. It's must. It's much less a hero flick than a detective story. And I think they they do a very compelling detective story. Um, the three the near three hour time time um, sink. It never got boring for me. Uh, none of the tropes that happen in the hero flicks, much like the teeing up of sequels or having that third act disaster. Uh, Nothing felt tacked on. In fact, if there if there is a release of the extended version of this, I would watch it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and I say that with without reservation. Do you know how much I was like, please let me know that the 4K is going to have like the four hour cut that they were talking about. It doesn't, but I'm going to be so bummed because they released the special features. I'm going to be so bummed if there's not a full director's commentary on this. Because you know, I, I would watch that right away. I would watch oh, yeah. three hours of Matt Reeves just talking. I mean, I feel like I feel like you've seen this movie twelve times. Your thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth would have been director's commentary. Yeah, I think so. Um, they they say there's going to be commentary on the deleted scenes. I'm just hoping there's commentary on the whole movie. Yeah, um, but we we'll find out in May when it gets there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my final thought is I think I think people really like lose like the concept that this is the second year after like the first hour of the movie and so when you get to that third act and he's like maybe i should become more i should be more than vengeance people are like what that it's supposed to be more than just beating people up i'm like to citizens yes <laughs> like yeah that's like a key thing is like it starts off with people scared of him and it ends with people hopeful when they see him because mm-hmm. it's less about just beating up random thugs every night and more yeah. about what can i do to change this place um like throughout the throughout the movie there's multiple times where batman's like i know this is happening and like as a normal person if you were in that room you're like then why haven't you been stopping it (laughs) like yeah if you know the penguin where penguin is every night why don't you stop if you know where the drugs are being run why don't you stop it it's because at at the point where we're at he doesn't really care about that he care he cares about just instilling fear in people um and by the end of the movie he realizes oh wait a second I've been so dealing with my trauma that I don't realize that everybody's dealing with trauma. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, it's it's a very kind of basic concept, but for a superhero movie, um, we don't get that as often. So, I mean, I'm trying to think what the last superhero movie I saw before this, and that was... There was a Marvel movie that came out this year, right? No, and then also was No Way Home, and that was in December. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't it Spider-Man? Like, I think that's the last... And that whole movie was about uh finally taking responsibility for one's actions um so anyways uh so let's talk about what we've been watching matthew what, what, what have you been watching the last two weeks uh so i did watch the film that we're going to talk about next week so did i so did i and uh and i think i was i watched that just in preparation for just in um, case just in case i'm gonna say that uh and Reba and I watched that together. Both of us came out of that because it was it was my first time seeing it. It was Reba's first time seeing it. We came out of that going, oh, is this how it's supposed to go? <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna go into I'm gonna go into that more in the next episode because I am gonna watch it again. Uh hopefully I didn't want to watch it with the commentary next because I have I think that. I think it'll be I think it'll be so a lot of my divorce is in that movie yeah okay fair like a lot of it is to the point where i'm like oh shit deanna and i said that stuff to each other like exactly as it's i'm like oh and i i was just not in i was not in a great spot after watching that and 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 while i was uh i was in my thoughts a little bit, like Rebo's like, are you sure you want to talk about this on a podcast? I'm like, I'm a, I, I, I agreed to do it. So I'm going to do it. Um, but I do like considering we watched this the other night, I just need some time to process and go through it again. And I will, uh, the fun thing I want to talk about is on HBO max. 
It is called Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. Uh, I'm a huge fan. Of, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of like sports drama. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't follow sports match to match uh, over, over the course of a season, like rah, rah and one team along. Like I had, I have teams I like and I've kind of fallen off of that loop, but watching this, um, like my favorite basketball player of all time is Magic Johnson. Um, I remember watching him when I was like five. <laughs> I remember watching him just run the table on the NBA for for years. Uh, but watching this, what do you think of the Deadpool movies, Jesse? I've only seen the first one. Okay. And I thought that's enough. <laughs> okay. So I think the way that this series does fourth wall breaking stuff with comedy is better than the Deadpool movies. Okay. Um, mainly because it's kind there, like at least with Deadpool, there was kind of the rule that it was only him breaking the fourth wall for the most part. I think maybe maybe one or two times other folks did. But in this, everybody's looking at the camera. Everybody is getting their jabs in for what's going on because ultimately a lot of these folks are still alive and and it's really it's really cool to see adam mckay uh create something like this in the first episode i know it's um predominantly directed by others because it's a series rather than a film mm-hmm. uh, but i would say this if you know if you know what magic johnson looks like quincy isaiah looks like a young Magic Johnson and has the same charisma, the same, I'll say mean streak that he had just because he's a, because Magic, I know Magic Johnson isn't all, you know, big smiles and positivity when he has to run at somebody on the court because eventually he'll just say like, I got, I got to step on your throat to win. Um, But Quincy Isaiah is wonderful as Magic Johnson. John C. Riley, this might be the best thing I've ever seen him in. Oh, that's fair. Um, Adrian, I, I don't. I'm not a fan of Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody as Pat Riley has been a good time so far. Uh, Jason Siegel as Paul Westhead is great. Uh, this series is is really good. Um, I highly recommend it. Uh, even if you're not a sports fan, this is entertaining as hell. Um, mainly because it's more about John C. Riley as Jerry Buss purchasing the Lakers and, you know, bringing his utopian idea of creating an entertainment hub through basketball. Uh, it is, it is, it is a good time. And I like how the wheels are always like one rotation from falling off. And, uh, it's, it's really, it's really very fun to watch. Uh, highly recommend it. Um, and I feel like I watched something. Oh, uh, I am. I have finished the first season of Demon Slayer, and Demon Slayer, good. I might. I might. You might get me to start watching season two to keep up with you. I'm. I'm going. I mean, I don't know when I'm going to start. It'll be a bit before I start, but I'll, I'll let you know. I'll be like, hey, I'm starting it. Just now, now that they put the movie as episodes, you're just going to watch it that way. Wait, what now? So they made a movie. That's. I knew they arc. made a movie. Yeah. I was going to try. I was going to try and watch that. They. They before they spliced it up into episodes so you can watch mm-hmm. it as episodes and there's like i think there's a little bit more in it because of that okay so i don't know if, i don't know if you are gonna watch it that way or you're just gonna watch it like everybody else that's the movie um i'll it depends it you know I'll, I'll say this it depends on how lazy i am fair <laughs> if i'm going to be just lazy i'll probably just get it the easiest way possible if i'm going to um if I'm going to care about continuity, uh, or 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 care about comparing and contrasting, which I will decide on the day, I will I will probably do both. It also depends on how much I like it because of because if, if if season two just takes a dive, I might just nope out because I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> um, um, what have you been watching, Jesse? Yeah, so I went to go see everywhere everything everywhere all at once computers. Um, that's fa- is fantastic. It's uh, maybe the best movie of the year, and this is coming from the man that's seen Batman eleven times. <laughs> um, I I like if you and Reba have a chance, I recommend you going to snag that one. 
Um, okay. Then I watched The Great Escape, which is an actual three-hour-long movie. Um, and oh, wait, you watched The McQueen Great Escape? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. That's a long what movie. Good, what a good fucking movie. Yeah, it's that's good. one of the I, ones. It does drag kind of in the I, Yeah, I think the third bit. act where the, where the escape happens and the, you watch them escape. I'm like, well, could have sped this up part a little bit. Yeah. Um, then I watched Somewhere in Time, the, uh, who's in this movie? Um, Christopher Reeves and oh that was one of his not not many non-superman yeah. roles christopher reeves jane seymour and a middle-aged christopher Plummer. um mm-hmm. it's not great <laughs> yeah um and then i finished up the evangelion movies i watched the last three in a and basically one after another in the same kind of week and that last movie wrecked me yeah yeah also, I watched Our Flag Means Death if we're talking about TV shows. And that's a really good, uh, fun pirate show you should watch on HBO Max. It's 10 episodes, half an hour long episodes. Not much of a time sink. Oh, there was some, there's someone talking about that on some social media platform that I'm on. I don't remember which one. I didn't know what it, I didn't know what it was, but now that I know it's a pirate thing, I might check it out. You know the, you know the chief in the Batman, the one that has like the, the little higher scrappy voice? Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's one of the pirates in that show. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, Matthew, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, wow. Just going right to the intro. Um, you can find me at infinite underscore rewind everywhere I want to be. That's Twitter, Instagram, most likely. Um, if you're, if you want to find me on Discord, look for me in Uppercut's Discord because I'm yeah, a lot. It's good times. Uh, it's the best Discord to be, I think. Um, you can also find me hosting a couple of other podcasts. Uh, I host, I co host Story Route Zero. With my buddies uh, Moose, Jason, and Michaela, we talk about video games. I also co-host uh, Trivial Merit with our with Jesse's and my friend Caroline. We talk about music, doing eight song playlists to go from a negative mood or to a positive mood, and uh, we have a lot we have a lot of good time doing that. I think, and uh, recently I have been added to the Bald Gun Guy podcast. That is a podcast where we go through the modern Hitman video game series level by level. We recently released, um, Santa Fortuna and next is Mumbai from Hitman 2. So check me out there. Jesse. Yeah, you can find me everywhere at Sleeper of the Bed. You can find my other show that's about to go on break in about a uh, couple weeks uh why comics at why comics pod uh, I, I, uh this won't no this won't this will be out way after that so never mind i'm not gonna talk about who's coming up next um and you can uh email us if you want to talk to us about movies that we watched or tweet at us either way it's fine um both mm-hmm. free reeling it one's on twitter at free reeling it one's email free reeling it at gmail.com um we might be a little more active on twitter as i go on break because i'll have more time to be active on something else um yes and i need to i need to just be better about it i i apologize yeah <clears throat> and uh who does our theme song matthew um my buddy jason who uh who had not seen the batman and i told him he should look at the he should watch the batman so um but no my buddy jason does it he goes by dead eye you can find him on spotify as dead eye d-e-a-d dash the letter i you can find him on instagram at dead eye productions all one word and uh it is called or he it is off of his album bloodshed kingdom came out earlier this year you should listen to it it's very good instrumental reggae in my opinion also uh prior to this in 2013 he and his buddy ben released uh a, another probably I, I would say it's probably a masterpiece in my opinion um it is called black lightning uh they were called they were called the hope street steppers that is on spotify it's on all streaming services i believe it's on itunes as well i believe it's on google play so check them out uh, i think they're very good and, and that's not just because jason is my best friend <laughs> but that's where you can find him and before I forget, uh, next episode, we're going to talk about the last of the Before Trilogy, Before Midnight, uh, directed by Richard Linklater, starring Ethan Hawke, and I can never pronounce her name right. Please help me, Matthew. Julie Delpy. Julie Delpy, and also written by those three, technically. 
Yes. Um, yeah, so two weeks we'll be talking about that, and two weeks after that we'll be talking about one of Matthew's picks. Um, I sure hope it's either Stalker or um, the, another French mystery or crime movie or uh, what's the other one? Uh, nine and a half? Uh, eight and a half. Eight and a half. I was off by one number. Um, so yeah, that's... Wow. You know what? I'm I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw you a curveball, and we'll do some. I had a name, I forgot it. Watch a movie. <laughs> um. So yeah, everybody, thank you for listening to us, and uh, we'll we'll see you on the streets of Gotham, I guess. Yeah, we need to talk about how this movie ended, and it's very very sweet. It doesn't end on like a big epic hero. No, it ends on a very somber, and then like race to the future kind of note i sort of like the way you said it on i think during the bad sleep well it's there's like an ending and then the movie or 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 there was the movie stopping i think this was the movie stopping